Welcome back to another week in the world of Sasta with me, Harry Stebbings at H Stebbings on Snapchat. And you will not believe it, but the main man, Jason Lemkin, is also now on Snapchat. I would like to think I played a small influence there, and you can follow him on Snapchat at J Lemkin. That's at J Lemkin. That really is a must. Also, speaking of musts, the one and only Sasta annual is now less than 25 days away. So if you've not got your tickets to join me and Jason for Mojitos, I, I mean, I mean to attend highly insightful SAS discussions, then head over to Sasta.com where you can buy your tickets and just enter these three magic words drinks with harry and you'll get a whopping 20 percent off the ticket price and a free happy hour of mojitos with me jason and many other incredible sas founders it'll be a very special event however to the show today and you can never say we don't get the best guests on sasta as i'm delighted to welcome eric one to the show today now eric is the founder and ceo at zoom the video and web conferencing service that just last week raised 100 million in venture funding from sequoia capital prior to founding zoom eric was corporate vice president of engineering at Cisco, where he was responsible for Cisco's collaboration software development. As one of the founding engineers and vice president of engineering at WebEx, Eric was the heart and soul of the WebEx product from 1997 to 2011, in which time he grew the WebEx team from 10 engineers to more than 800 and contributed to revenue growth from $0 to more than 800 million. However, before we dive into the show today, if you do make the wise decision of coming to SASTA Annual, then you'll see the incredible Algolia team in person. Algolia is the robust search agent. API that allows developers to integrate lightning-fast, typo-tolerant search into their SaaS product. Out of the box, Algolia offers developers a powerful platform for building great search experiences. By owning the entire stack from engine to server, Algolia free up development teams to focus on adding intuitive search that delights users. This is perfect for existing search teams looking to spend less time on maintenance and infrastructure management and more time on user experience. For small SaaS teams, Algolia is a perfect investment on top of your existing stack that requires requires no specialist engineers, and you can learn more about how Algolia helps SaaS scale search and get started on their 14-day free trial at algolia.com forward slash podcast. However, it's now time for me to shut up and to hand over to our second unicorn founder in only a couple of months, so I'm delighted to hand over to Eric Yuan, founder and CEO at Zoom. Good, that's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. Eric, absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. Huge thanks to Jason Lankin for the intro, but thank you so much for joining me today, Eric. Thank you. Appreciate it for the invitation. Now, I'd love to get started today by hearing a bit about you and, and the founding story for you with Zoom. Yeah, so I'm the founder and CEO of Zoom Video Communications. I started a company in 2011. Prior to founding Zoom, I was at Cisco for more than four years, and I was uh, Cisco's corporate vice president in charge of uh, Cisco's overall collaboration software development. And obviously, I came to Cisco as part of the WebEx acquisition, and I was uh, one of the first several founding engineers. Ultimately, I became vice president of engineering at WebEx. So that's, uh, you know, my background. Absolutely. I, I do have a question from Jason Lemkin, who asks, uh, about your time at WebEx, as you mentioned there, with that in mind, is selling and marketing SaaS different than in the WebEx days? It's very different because, uh, you know, like 19 or 20 years ago, when we started at WebEx, you know, it's a SaaS business model. However, you know, very few people understood that. I still remember the two co-founders of WebEx, they went into VC, tried to get some funding, and nobody understood what they talk about. They said, what, what do you mean the software as a service? What do you mean you pay you know, monthly? They, they did not get it. So for sure, they, they failed to raise money. And, you know, back to like now... Almost every business started from a SaaS because it's become mainstream. I think back then it's very different 
And even customers, they, they do not understand. And they say, how, how, why, you know, I, I pay you monthly. Can I pay you for two years? It's very different now. So I do want to start, though, with the products that people pay for themselves and building the products uh, for you. So how do you think about building a product customer like? And what are the core components to that? I think, uh, you know, first of all, you got to understand what's the pain point that the customer are suffering from. Ideally, you also suffer from that problem as well because you got a first-hand experience. And it's also, you, you should understand why, you know, the today's product cannot address those pain points. Why you can do better? Why, you know, you think you have a, a better chance to build a better product than others, especially for those companies who are already there right, for a while? Mm-hmm. I think if you know that, you know, I think very likely you, you have a chance to build a very, you know, competitive product. In terms of kind of the competitive market around you that are building for that same product, how do you think about competition? And do you keep a very uh, observant eye on the competition around you? Or do you agree with rowing your own race and staying focused on your mission? I think I'm very paranoid, right? So I always wanted to know what others are doing. I haven't started that, you know, for sure. We will focus on our own, you know, destiny, right? We have our own plan. However, ultimately, I also want to make sure our competitors, users, when they try our product, see Zoom, they will say, wow, you know, Zoom's product is better than the product they are used to, using today. That's why I always keep an eye you know, close on, you know, the competitors, users. If they suited to our product, are they happy or not? If they're very happy, so meaning our product is better than competitors. So down the road, I think we have a sustainable leverage. And when you have the sustainable leverage that you do, obviously one of the fastest growing SaaS products, I'm intrigued how you think about growth. And, and with that in mind, how do you approach and control the growth? I think when it comes to growth, it's very tricky. I think, uh, you know, different company, you know, they have a different mentality to manage the growth rate. In our case, you know, I always told our team, please do not grow too fast. We got to maintain our own growth rate. You know, the analogy I always share with our team is, see, if you drive from San Jose to San Francisco, you drive like 65 miles per hour, you probably get there within one hour. If you drive like 100 miles one hour, you might get a ticket, right? Or maybe you hit a bumpy road, your, your car might be crashed, right? So we wanted to focus on organic growth. Don't grow too fast. But however, it's hard to measure in what to mean, you know, grow too fast. So the way we look at this is, uh, you know, from a customer perspective, do we spend enough time to keep the existing customer happy or not? If you are not happy, Meaning you got to spend more time to with you too fast, right? You also need to measure your NPS score. And from an internal perspective, we always spend a lot of time, you know, talking with our existing, you know, employees. Really care about our existing employees. If the existing employees are not happy because you spend too much time with the newly hired employees, meaning you grow too fast. So that's our, you know, philosophy. You mentioned NPS there. I'm intrigued to hear how you view customer success. Obviously, when you look back to the WebEx days, customer success wasn't such a such a, um, a definitive part of the SaaS organization as it is today. How do you view customer success today? I think a customer success is very important because, as mentioned earlier, right? If you do not measure that, so maybe you grow too fast, right? You, you, your existing customers are not happy. Very soon, you might lose those customers, especially you know for the software as a service. 
you, you got to manage the churn, right? Make sure your existing customers always like your product, and also they can refer to other customers. So that's why NPS score is very important. I think our NPS score is uh, is 69. I do not remember the NPS score of early days at WebEx, but I remember before I left Cisco WebEx, that's pretty around the 20 or 30. I forgot the exact number, but for sure our NPS score is much higher than the WebEx NPS score. And we're talking about kind of controlling the growth there, though. I'm intrigued because a lot of investors are, are hungry for incessant growth. How do you balance the, the kind of steady growth of driving at 65 miles an hour steadily with the growth that investors are hungry for these days? So overall, you know, we really want to focus on organic growth, right? If that works well, you know, we can double down on that because we cannot grow, you know, at the sake of growth, right? Otherwise, you have a lot of unknown risks. So when it comes to talking with the investors, you know, I will tell them beforehand, hey, you know, don't push us, you know, to grow that fast. I think is anything not sustainable, we are not going to pursue. We want to maintain our own growth rate. And if we cannot find those investors who resonate well, you know, we, 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 we may not talk with them. So. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued what you think the key, when you look back at the journey, what the key hires were that made the acceleration of growth possible. Were there any kind of first VPs of sales or first CMO that really uh, elevated the trajectory of the company? I think the, the first uh, VP of sales and plus the first several sales account executives are extremely important. That's why you, you, you got to spend time really look for those uh, employees who can grow themselves along with the company growth and also who are very loyal to the company, really passionate passionate about the company's story. And uh, fortunately, you know, our first uh, uh, sales hire, you know, Greg Holmes is also our head of sales and he did a great job. And he hired the first several sales rep. They also did a great job. They are all here. You know, you know they contribute a lot to our business. Mm-hmm. I, I'm intrigued in terms of the sales process. Did you sell up to with the Jason Lemkin hailed uh, a million in ARR. What was your process in terms of hiring out the sales team and when you look to, to expand it? I think we, we do not hire very expensive sales rep or, or sales executives. You know, I, I hate hiring all those overqualified, you know, people, right, for joining a, a startup company. I, I really wanted to hire the potential, meaning they have a potential, you know, to grow themselves along with the company growth. So as long as they have a passion, they're dedicated to, to selling, they really like the company story, you know, we will hire those people. Because even if they're not fully ready, but as long as uh, they have a self-learning, you know, self-motivation mentality, I think someday they will get there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You said about kind of spending more on the on the brand names and the overqualified there. I'm intrigued. You said before about spending more and burning less. I'm intrigued what this thesis looks like to you. I think that's very important. That's our spending philosophy here at Zoom because we never spend much, you know, to create the growth and buy users. We always think about how to leverage minimum spending to test the water. If it works well, then we can double down on that, right? So we also focus on the cash flow, right? So you invest more in Q1 and Q2. Can you be cash flow positive and profitable? 
profitability, you can reach the profitability in Q3 and Q4 or not. You, you got to you know, test your business you know, very often. Right? You cannot assume or keep spending, keep spending. You assume somebody in the future, in two years, three years, or four years, you can be cash flow positive or you can reach profitability. I think that's a wrong assumption. So every year we test, you know, can we reach cash flow positive or not the next quarter, right? So that's our philosophy. In terms of kind of uh, reaching those cash flow positive uh, and reaching the goals that you set, you know, deals need to be hit. And so I'm intrigued to touch on the negotiation side there and your thesis on, on the founder always underselling. How do you respond to this as the founder? Do you agree with this thesis? I, I do agree. Actually, you know, that's probably... <laughs> is my weakness as well because uh, you know I'm really not a good at it at the negotiation and always wanted to leave the money on the table. That's why I always invite our sales team to deal with that. You know, I know I'm not good at that, right? So, and uh, that's my weakness, but I do agree with that theory. So, yeah. You, you said about the money on the table element. How do you approach that with regards to the negotiation itself? Should you leave it there? Should it all be taken away? If you ask me, you know, I always wanted to leave the money on the table because uh, we wanted to build a long-term sustainable partnership with customers and but quite often it may not be right right it's customers for sure they can pay you much more but you charge very less that's why i always invite our sous rep you know to join that kind of a call but overall you know i would say you know start from low price always gives you more opportunities down the road than starting from a high price i'm intrigued as to how you look to bridge the wide variety of customers that you do have uh, particularly at zoom when you look at your kind of pricing packages you go from free to enterprise uh, going obviously from inter- individuals to, to large corporate firms. How does the, the product and the scaling look like when you cover such a broad segment of the market? So it boils down to how you started, right? So we started from a freemium and SMB to test the product to make sure that the user experience is right. But along the way, for sure, we always wanted to target a large enterprise customer. That's why starting two and a half years ago, we already had quite a few very big large enterprise customers. If you start SMB, and you focus on the product experience. I think you know someday you know you have uh, you can have uh, large enterprise customers. However, if you start from large enterprise, it's very hard you know to come down to the SMB space. So I think uh, you know we I think we made the right choice. Start from from SMB, and very soon we embraced large enterprise customers. For now, we have uh, you know customers on both market segment. I do, I do want to dive into what we call though the 60-second faster. So it's a quick firearm where I say a short statement and you give me your immediate thoughts. How does that sound? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sound good? Yeah. Perfect. So what's your biggest advice then to SaaS founders on pricing? I would say if you're not an expert, make sure to talk with this expert, right? That may not be your strengths, right? You, you got to learn from others. But also, you, you probably start from low price, you know, gives you more flexibility and more opportunities. But again, you know, pricing is very tricky and you got to spend more time on that. It's probably more tricky than the building the, the, the product features. What's your favorite SaaS reading material? What do you all always read when it comes through i only go to one website sasta well done i'll pay you later uh and then and then jason asks zoom billboards and ads uh we see them everywhere do they work well and what's the fundamental goal with them it's a great question so in our business model is uh our growth you know always come from 
some organic growth in most of the leads coming from our Freeman product or word mouse is organic growth give us probably most of the leads. The reason why we spend on billboard advertisement is one of the you know the, the brand a brand awareness because we have a lot of uh, enterprise customers. If you do not have a strong brand, your sales cycle is pretty long, right? So we want to make sure CIO or a lot of enterprise CEO they heard about the Zoom. And mainly for the, the branding purpose, it's not for lead generation. And our lead generation machine still our you know organic growth, a word of mouth. I think from that, that perspective, it is a little bit hard to measure the, the brand. But down the road, I think looking back, you know, we know you know if those spending on advertisement you know, are paid off or not. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I agree. Also very challenging, as you said, to measure the brand recognition that's created. Uh, but I do want to touch on what do you now know that you wish you'd known at the beginning? That's uh, interesting. I, I think uh, I wish I had known, you know, it is so much fun, so exciting to build a startup company. And even this every day, I think that's so excited. I am. I feel very excited every day. I, I wish I had known that, you know, long time ago. <laughs> and then what do you spend most of your time on now? And, and how would you like that to change if you were to alter your schedule? It's, so if I look at my calendar every day, I think I spend most of the time on sales now. So I'd like to back to product side down the road. Mm-hmm. So I know that's not a scalable, but for now I, I do enjoy enjoy the, the time on sales now. But moving out of the quick fire, uh, so no, no pressure on the 60 seconds. Uh, I spoke to many of your both investors and employees, and they both highlighted the, the strength that you have in terms of company culture building and value building. So I'd love to touch on this. And how should one look to build this culture and then bake it into the system? And does it need to be done from the start? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So in my case, before I build our product, actually even before I was thinking about what kinds of product we wanted to build, I was thinking what kind of a company I wanted to work for. I, I wanted to build a company, you know, where every, every employees, they have a passion to come to office every morning, really enjoy working here. That's why the culture is, is very important. And the good news is on day one, I realized that the, so important, you know, I lay out the, the company the culture and value. So our culture is and value very straightforward. You know, when it comes to Zoom's culture, the culture is to deliver happiness. Meaning, as a team, we deliver happiness to our customers, and internally, we deliver happiness to each other. Mm-hmm. When it comes to competence value, also very straightforward. Just one word: care. Right. So we we, we got to care our community, our customers our company, our teammates, as well as ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think if you do not have a good and a solid culture and value, it's not a sustainable. You know, but however, you know, as you further grow the business, you have so many employees, and it really can cause some problems because they do not share the same value you do not behave well. That's why I think the culture and the value are very important before you start building up a business. You, you said there about care. And one thing that does strike me, though, is the difficulty in maintaining high levels of care with scale. So I'm intrigued as to how you maintain such care and culture with the immense scaling and growth that you have done. Uh, you're right, huh? You know, if you have a company, see, less than 100 employees, it might be easier, you know, to focus on the, the 
the, the value, which is uh, you know, caring here, right? But however, if you hire more and more employees, it's very hard, extremely challenging to maintain that culture and value. But I, the way I look at this is you got to, you know, from top down as well as bottom up. Every day, you know, I got to talk about that, right? In my, you know, team meeting, all hands meeting, you know, every customer story, you got to, you know, keep talking about that. At the same time, you also need to make sure your employees really get that. Every day they can talk about that as well. Essentially, make makes it a part of our life, and then it, it'll be easier. But still, it's, it's challenging. I'm, I'm intrigued, and, and we'll finish on this. And it's what have been the biggest challenges for you, uh, and inflection points for you in terms of building this culture with the scaling of the organization that is Zoom. I think uh, the, the biggest challenge is uh, as you further grow the business, how to maintain the, the company culture and value. Right, that's the biggest challenge. But it's not that easy. But I think. Uh, Certainly, as long as we keep an eye on that, you know, every day we talk about that, I think we can overcome that challenge. Well, Eric, thank you so much for giving up the time to come on the show today. And it really has been such a pleasure to hear the Zoom journey. Thank you. My pleasure. Next time, let's use Zoom. Skype is, is not that good. Absolutely love that from Eric and absolutely next time we will definitely be using Zoom and a huge hand again to Eric for giving up the time today to be on the show. Really was so kind of him and a huge thanks to Jason Lemkin for the intro. Do not forget though, if you'd like to hang out with me and Jason and drink mojitos at Sasta, all you have to do is enter the three magic words, drinks with Harry, those three words, drinks with Harry, when you purchase your tickets and you'll get a staggering 20% off the ticket price and free mojitos. And as we said earlier, we'd absolutely love to see you at Sasta Annual this year and if you do decide to make the wise decision of coming to Sasta Annual, then as we said, you'll get to see the incredible Algolia team and product in person. Now, Algolia is the robust search API that allows developers to integrate lightning-fast, typo-tolerant search into their SaaS product. Out of the box, Algolia offers developers a powerful platform for building great search experiences by owning the entire stack from engine to server. Algolia free up development teams to focus on adding intuitive search that delights users. This is perfect for existing search teams looking to spend less time on maintenance and infrastructure management and more time on user experience. And for smaller SaaS teams, Algolia is a great investment on top of your existing stack that requires no specialist engineers. And you can learn more about how Algolia helps SaaS scale search and get started on their 14-day free trial at algolia.com forward slash SaaS to podcast. As always, we so appreciate your support and I cannot wait to bring you Friday's episode with Lexi Reese, CCO at Gusto.